Welcome to Dream Big with Big Dreamers, conversations for career growth, inspiration, and insight, hosted by Donna Sardula and yours truly, Scott Jones. Here are the inspiring stories that shape the careers of top executives, entrepreneurs, and professionals. These empowering discussions offer guidance and advice as you advance in your career. It's time to dream big. Our guest today is Craig Coffey. Craig's the founder and president of Waymaker Leadership, an executive coaching practice helping senior executives achieve their full potential, build stronger teams, and deliver inspired results. Craig brings 30-plus years of senior-level business experience to the table. We had a great conversation with him. I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, uh, and, and this is you are our, the, our first guest um, for so as Donna and I are jumping into this new endeavor. So we are thrilled to have you. Ah, it's a privilege to be here, Craig. You you um, have had pretty extensive business experience, uh, and I was looking at at all the companies you've worked for. It would be easier for us to list the companies you haven't worked for. I mean, you've worked for so many <laughs> Fortune five hundred companies. Uh, what's interesting now, I mean, you're an executive coaching and you have these basic themes that, that you think are, are good themes for most people for success. And the first one I am fascinated by is know yourself. In order to be a servant leader, you must know who you are and you can't compare yourselves with others. It seems like this is the opposite we do with leaders very often. That we want leaders to focus on, to be empathetic, and to tune into the emotional goings on of the people they're they're leading primarily. But you're saying, if you know yourself, you're going to be better emotionally equipped to deal with the people you're leading. It sounds like. Yeah, I um, I, I actually think you'll need both, but it's hard to really have a grasp of other people if you don't know yourself and don't have a good sense of your own starting point. Um, you know, I, I often think about as people are trying to think about their careers, they're trying to think about how to best support other people. And even, you know, to the theme of this podcast about reaching their dreams, you kind of need to know where you start. Um, and that means starting with yourself and, you know, knowing who you are, knowing what you care about, um, knowing the things that are true to yourself, um, keeps you from being kind of that imposter uh, who is off to please other people. Um, you know, for me personally, my faith is very important to me. My family is very important to me. Um, I want to have fun and the things I do. And you referenced all the different, you know, uh, opportunities I've had. And, you know, I found uh, in my career and in my life that servant leadership was really important to me. So I've tried to bring an element of that to everything I do. And, those principles help ground me. And I'll also say they help me keep track um, or stay on track, I should say, um, whatever task I may take on. So, I almost think that being able to know yourself has allowed you to reinvent yourself. Because when we look at your past and all the things that you've done, it's, it's this constant transformation and, and reinvention of yourself. Yeah, in some ways that's true. Uh, you know, I um, I have probably 
uh, learned this lesson the hard way, um, but I really try to take it to task, which is uh, I don't try to compare myself to other people. Um, I um, was taught early on when you compare yourself to others, it's a trap. Um, so the different roles that I may take on may not make sense to other people, um, but they made sense to me. Um, and those are the kinds of things that I, I tried to keep track of, which was, um, you know, other people may seem like they have their act together. They're smarter. You know, everything comes effortless, you know, effortlessly to them. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if you start comparing yourself to other people, you just start to lose track of what matters most. And you, you can almost box yourself in to a place that prevents you from taking some of those risks, taking some of those chances that really start to open up doors and give you chances to do new things and, and exciting things in many ways. I'm interested, when you're working with clients, what do you do if somebody comes in with a complete lack of self-awareness, right? That they don't know themselves, that they wouldn't know themselves if the, themselves came and bit them, you know. Uh, on their posterior, like what, what would you do? I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with, with that? If they're, if they're, if they're kind of behind the eight ball on the fundamental principle. Yeah. So uh, this is probably a longer conversation than we might have for this podcast, but look, I I think uh, often uh, we need to create an environment of trust and create an environment of confidentiality where um, a client feels comfortable doing that self-exploration about um, what's working for them at work and what's not working for them at work. Um, Sometimes that entails being able to reach out to their colleagues, to their peers, to their um, subordinates, to their bosses, and maybe using them as a mirror to reflect back uh, for that client of what their strengths are and perhaps what their development opportunities are. And then there's a range of assessments that uh, I will apply as well that allows some self-discovery to happen um, so that by the client's own answers, they start to see back uh, uh, how they're viewed, uh, what their tendencies happen to be. Um, and I think, you know, good assessments, um, good feedback from peers, colleagues, subordinates, uh, supervisors is foundational to helping somebody at least start with their beginning of who they are and how they think about the world and how they operate, their tendencies. And then from there, you can figure out where that client would like to go and help them unlock the insights to help them get there. You also, this is interesting. You you say to people question everything. When I was reading this, I was thinking of all the time I spent reading platonic dialogues in in college and Socrates walking around just asking questions. Right. And that was, I mean, the character is just a question asker. And you say that there's four questions you want to ask, you ask yourself all the time. Do you love what you're doing? Do you love who you're doing it for? And do you love who you're doing it with? And do you love where are you doing it? Uh, do you love what you're doing right now? I love what I'm doing right now. And I will tell you, at some point in time, I probably loved every job uh, that I had. Um, you know, those four questions. And, you know, the important question I think to ask, uh, and I'll come back to these four questions in just a moment, but I think the important question to ask in almost every scenario is why. Uh, the why piece is important. So, you know, do you love what you do is about the role you have. Um, So that's a question, but why do you love what you do? Uh, You know, do you love who you do it with um, is really about your colleagues. Um, You know, are you enjoying working with your colleagues? Why are you enjoying with your colleagues? Do you love who you do it for? It's probably about your boss. And why do you love working for that person? And do you love where you do it 
is about the company you work for and, you know, why do you love working for that company? And the why really matters. Uh, and if you can unlock the why, that becomes repeatable. And if it's not working out, you can kind of figure out like, okay, well, what's not working about it? Why is that not working out? And how do I fix some of those things? Because something's not working doesn't mean you run away from it. You try to put your energy and effort into fixing it. Um, and I would say in every you know role I've had, I've been able to answer an affirmative to all of those and understand the why behind it. Um, but I, I'll, I think that question why is important. And, and I'll tell you, there's a couple of reasons why, <clears throat> if I can continue on. You know, one of them is, uh, I, I think when you can ask the why, um, it allows you to challenge the status quo about just everything that you're doing. Um, you know, I, I really do believe this. Uh, uh, you know, nothing ever fundamentally changed in this history of our country, in the history of the world, without somebody asking why. Uh, you know, whether that is a civil rights question of why can't I vote or why can't I eat at that lunch counter or why can't I go to that school, whether it's about women voting, whether it's about any issue, social, political or otherwise, the question why probably was the source of that. So there's a lot of external reasons of why to ask why. And then I think there's a lot of internal reasons of, of why to ask why as, as well, which is you know, why am I doing this role? Or why am I arguing about that with this person? Or why does this matter to me? Or why do I want to do this thing? Um, it helps really unlock an insight, um, I think, in many times. And it probably gets to that helping you understand yourself a little bit more. Um, and I, I think we all carry around often limiting beliefs about ourselves. And when you are asking the question why, it really forces you to tackle some of these limiting beliefs of like, well, why can't I do that? What's in my way? And how do you start to kind of identify the obstacles so that you can then overcome those obstacles? So it's a long-winded answer, but those four questions have been very pivotal. Um, but the why behind those four questions has been even more pivotal. And I, I think when you look at the, the different places that you've been, you've never really coasted. And I think you haven't coasted because you have. You've said, hey, wait, I, maybe, I, maybe I feel stuck or maybe I'm not advancing. Maybe I'm not happy where I am. So let me ask these questions. And if I don't like the answer, it's time to move on. And, and I think that's why we see that progression in your career that there's a lot of people, they just stay and they're stuck and they can't move on. And it's those questions that I think allow you to break out of that holding pattern. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, I, I've had really great role models, uh, external role models, as well as internal role models in my family, you know, uh, in every office, uh, I've ever had, and even now as a as an entrepreneur, uh, I've always had these two pictures on my wall um, that uh, I've always kind of used as somewhat um, anthemic or, or symbolic gestures. One of them is uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, childhood hero, uh, you know, heavyweight champion of the world, uh, and. Uh, I, I have the picture of him because I always felt like, yes, he was a great boxer, but he was also a leader in many ways. And uh, he transcended boxing. He obviously was a civil rights um, uh, activist. Uh, he was an anti-war activist when the Vietnam War was going on. And there was a time when he was you know, banned from boxing for three years. And it's not like he went away during those three years were probably some of the most prolific years of his life as he tried new things, asked that question why, um, and really made a name for himself outside of boxing. 
The other picture I have is Rosa Parks, um, who's probably the antithesis of Muhammad Ali, you know, quiet leadership, a simple seamstress who just decided not to get up and move to the back of the bus one day. Uh, and uh, that in and of itself was leadership and sparked the civil rights movement um, and, you know, really created a, a, a complete change uh, in American history from that simple gesture. So, you know, back to, you know, the, the comment about, um, you know, why, why matters and, you know, being able to have those kinds of role models that are external. But I would also tell you, you know, within my own family, um, uh, I've had really great role models of people who have been willing to try new things, do new things, continue to learn. Um, that has been really close to home, a great, a great uh, model for me to try and follow as well. I'm curious, as you think over the most recent years of your life, what, when you're asking the kind of self-knowledge questions and you're, and you're asking the why questions, what's a breakthrough you've had over the past decade or so where you've asked these questions and actually changed the course trajectory of your own life? Yeah, it's a great question. I, uh, I think, I think the one thing I would say is I've, I've been able to say, uh, I can do more or I want to do more. Uh, and it's, it's led me to take uh, jobs that, as I said earlier, probably weren't very predictable or weren't the things that other people would have done. And it, it kind of led me to this epiphany of, you know, a career path uh, was more interesting to me than a career journey. I'm sorry, I re- let me repeat that. I apologize. A career journey was more interesting to me than a career path. A career path is a... Uh, you know, a very linear thing. We're all taught at a young age, pick a career and then go do a series of linear things that get you from, you know, point A to point Z. And a career journey um, isn't so linear. It's a portfolio of roles that you might take on across your career. Uh, and uh, you'll build skills along the way. Uh, you'll get a chance to learn different industries, different different roles, um, you know, work in different um, environments. And as you kind of aggregate all of those things, it just, it almost creates this, this, um, this really complex, but uh, accessible set of tools that you can use the rest of your life. So as an example of that, I started my career out in consumer packaged goods. Um, and, you know, I, after five years of being in a, a really well-known consumer packaged goods company, I jumped and went to the agency side because I wanted to see what it was like to sit across the desk from a client. Um, and have to serve a client. Um, and I think it actually uh, helped me be a better agency person because I knew how a client thought. And then I left because my client, one of my clients hired me and I went back to the client side. Uh, and then I thought I was a better client because I knew now knew how best to work with the agency partners. Uh, and then, you know, I left and went and worked in technology. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't have any kind of a technology background, but I was just drawn to uh, where technology was going and the role it was ha- playing in our lives. And I would even tell you, you know, the last role I had was in financial services. Most people are kind of born and raised in financial services. I went into a financial services role when I was in my late 40s. Um, and that's usually not something that somebody does. Uh, but I, I just feel like all of those why questions have led me to, hey, I can take my skill set that I've developed through this career journey approach, and they're applicable. Um, yes, they need to be applied in a slightly different way, but 
they're applicable. And then I have something to bring, but I also have a lot to learn. And that curiosity and wanting to keep learning has always been something that's fueled me. I think this also leads to your your third theme, you know, play big. (laughs) Why go small, right? I mean, these are all opportunities and, you know, reach for them, stretch. Yeah, yeah. I um I, I I have a quote that I have always loved. Uh, it's from Nelson Mandela, which says, you know, may your choices reflect uh, your hopes and not your fears. And uh, this speaks to some of those limiting beliefs that I referenced earlier. You know, there are times that people let those limiting beliefs decide everything for them rather than letting their hopes. And I, I think playing big is believing that your hopes are greater than your fears. And uh, and I really do believe. And it goes back to knowing yourself, which is one of the first things we, we talked about, um, that, you know, you can do this, you have this within you. But I, I think this notion of playing big and not shrinking away from the things that make you uncomfortable uh, is important. Um, it's good that we get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And um, like I said, it, it doesn't need to make sense to other people. Um, and, you know, it, it allows you to step into some situations that, uh, maybe unorthodox for some people, but I promise you, you will be thankful for, for doing that. And I'll, I'll give you one or two examples because I always try to talk about role models uh, and and people I've had an opportunity to learn from. Um, you know, at a very, I'm a military brat. Um, so uh, my father served in the army for 22 years. So, uh, you know, we moved around a lot and that meant new environments all the time. Uh, Education, uh, being an African-American family, education, my father felt, was the great equalizer. So uh, whether it was in the service or out of the service, we typically did live in white suburbia because there were better schools there. And my father and mother made a decision that that was more important, getting an education Uh, than anything else. So that put us in situations where we were not always in the most comfortable places. We might be one of two black families in an entire community of 25 or 35,000 people, which meant you went to school and nobody looked like you, nobody thought or talked like you. So, you know, it, it forced you to adapt. It forced you to persevere. Sometimes in the face of rejection, it forced you to be willing to try new things and I think all of those things are critically, critically important as an adult. While it was tough as a a child sometimes, I'm thankful for every one of those experiences um, because it has armed me and served me very well as an adult as I think about my career and as I think about playing big. um, And, you know, I I think in some ways, not that I'm fearless, um, but I, I just believe my hopes are greater than my fears. And that gives me the confidence to step into those things. And now we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. It's never too early to create your own personal brand. ReadySetU.com helps students and young professionals build their brand as they embark on their careers. They develop compelling, customized resumes and LinkedIn profiles that will clearly identify who you are, what you have to offer, and what sets you apart. Employers may spend as little as 40 seconds looking at a resume or LinkedIn profile. So yours needs to stand out. You've only got 40 seconds. Make it pop. Their writers will partner with you throughout the resume and LinkedIn profile process. At Ready, Set, You, we want to help you prepare to launch your career successfully and enter the job search with confidence. It's not just about finding a job. 
It's much more. It's about finding the right position for you to begin and launch your career. And as Craig said, your career journey. The mission is simple. Help, encourage, inspire. They create your brand. You make the impact. Ready, set, you. You know, Craig, it's interesting. I was as I was reading your your five principles, I do love the this Mandela quote because I think it's a great word for a chronically anxious society. I think that's something that describes our culture where we have we so much chronic anxiety, right? And people their default is not their hopes, it's their fears, right? And that as you say, that can be completely debilitating, right? Yeah, I, I really do think that's true. And uh, as an executive coach, uh, I you know have an opportunity to talk to people and get a sense of where they are on that that balance. You know, uh, is is fear overwhelming their hope, or is hope overwhelming their their fear? Uh, and you know, I try to be attuned to it with my own family um, and friends. Uh, this has been a very divisive time in our history, and. Uh, there's so much impacting people. There's so much uncertainty going on. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is a time of, you know, uh, people at times feeling overwhelmed and losing what their compass is or losing that 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 anchoring point that may be tied to their hope and not to their fears. So, You also say that it's never too late, that you're a lifelong learner, as you, we've talked about a little bit, that your your career journey has had a lot of interesting twists and turns, and that variety is a good thing. I mean, how do you get people to venture out into new things? Because, I, again, I think it's hard. People are anxious. People are busy. Um, people deal with insecurities. You know, And it's, it's often when you try something new, it can be embarrassing. It can be humiliating. You, you know, after you've developed expertise in other areas and you feel like you're starting all over again. I mean, how do you get people kind of off the dime and into the deep end of the pool and doing some experimental things because that seems challenging. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I, look, I think uh, I think knowledge is power. Uh, I wish I'd coined that phrase, but somebody else did. Um, but I think knowledge is power, and uh, it's amazing as you read about something, research something, do informational interviews, uh, have somebody reverse mentor you about something. Uh, the learning piece starts to demystify what feels very risky or what feels like some big adventure or big challenge. So this notion of it's never too late is really about being curious and it's really about being optimistic. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think about, you know, before I made some of those leaps uh, career-wise into a new industry or into a new role, I did my homework to try and understand, okay, what does that entail and what does that look like? Um, and, uh, who can I learn from that's already doing something similar to that? So it wasn't just blindly letting go of one, uh, thing and jumping into another. There was a lot of work that went into that. Um, but I, I, I do think, uh, you know, that kind of learning and that demystification of it, uh, there's this opportunity to always keep learning. And, you know, I, I, I will tell you, um, Again, going back to, to role models, because I really do think it's important that you have people that you can kind of link to that have shown you a way before. Um, you know, I, I think about my, my grandfather, who became a lawyer later in life. He was a train porter um, for most of his life uh, and became uh, a lawyer later in life and became a pastor in his 70s. Um, I think about my father, and I mentioned, you know, I'm a military brat, served in the military. He ended up getting his master's in his 40s. Uh, 
Um, so I didn't, had, didn't, didn't your dad work like in the white house? Uh, he did. Uh, uh, that's probably a story for another time, but yes, he did. What did he do in the white house? Uh, he was a military aide to, uh, president. So, uh, he, after he was a highly decorated, uh, um, uh, army colonel, uh, and served in Vietnam. Uh, he was one of the, the few, uh, African-Americans to lead a battalion uh, in combat, uh, highly decorated, uh, uh, two silver stars, a purple heart, um, and uh, was uh, recruited and uh, pulled out of active duty at the time uh, to serve uh, under a president, uh, a presidential administration. Which uh, president was it? Uh, it was President Nixon, actually. Um, and uh, if you think about that time of 68 to 72, uh, probably similar unrest <laughs> Uh, at that time, as there happens to be at this time, if you think about uh, the anti-war feelings, uh, if you think about civil rights, uh, you know, here was uh, my father as a military aide uh, to the president of the United States, uh, which involved having a front row seat to Apollo 11, uh, Apollo 13, uh, when Nixon visited China, um, the diplomatic the opening of diplomatic relations to China. Uh, my father was part of that advanced team as well as accompanying him on that trip. Um, one of my father's jobs, along with the other military aides, was to carry uh, the football, the nuclear codes. So when you think about an African-American um, in 1968 who had just received the right to vote a few years earlier than that, um, was now at the right hand of the president uh, on these types of uh, trips that were monumental uh, at the time uh, for anybody to go on, let alone an African American. Uh, did he did he like Nixon? I mean, did he tell you stories about Nixon as a kid? I mean, you're like, well, all right, here's here's what it was like to be with the president today. And yeah, well, um, I'll, I'll tell you more than just us telling or him telling us stories. He's actually written uh, memoirs, uh, uh, a memoir about his time, literally from growing up in the Depression. You know, being born in 1928 to his journey to getting there. Uh, and uh, that's back to this question about it's never too late. Uh, you've seen me jump from uh, different career moves, uh, uh, even into executive coaching. You know, another thing that I'm working on is in the publishing space of taking my father's life journey and memoirs and uh, doing a biography around that. So uh, I would love to come back and talk about that exclusively uh, on this, because that is one of these big dreams, dream big opportunities to talk about. But yeah, uh, the book is filled with the behind the scenes of what happens in the White House during a presidential administration from Secret Service to the West Wing to how do, how do you mobilize resources and forces to go get the president out to dinner or across the world for a diplomatic relations event. Uh, it's all got to be uh, documented there. It's, it's actually fascinating when you consider the the time frame uh, that that happened to be. Your your last kind of principle is no one accomplishes anything alone. Now, I think one of the challenges is, as I think about that, is so many people in contemporary Western culture seem isolated. Um, that through things like social media, we seem less capable and equipped to develop intimate friendships and co connections and colleagues. But th but this is you're saying is something that is necessary, and, and, and along with the hopes, not fear, um, kind of m mindset in a culture of chronic anxiety, in a culture where people are struggling with loneliness and isolation, 
this is kind of countercultural, right? That you can't, you're not going to make it alone. That you actually need to be dependent, interdependent on other people. Yeah. Well, look, I think as 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 humans, we we are interdependent. Um, uh, I, I I actually do limit my time on social media uh, because I I, uh, I I still believe uh, the best human interactions are ones that are. Um, are closer, not necessarily digitally digitally based, but ones that are closer. And uh, I would not be where I am in my career uh, today without um, being able to show gratitude to uh, my wife, Erica, my kids, friends, um, and certainly former uh, colleagues and, um, you know, mentors and coaches that I had that uh, were tremendously influential uh and teaching me some of these themes reinforcing some of these themes and giving me opportunities and support and encouragement along the way so i have tremendous gratitude um for uh a whole range of people and it would be arrogant um and egotistical for me to sit here and say look what i've done i did it all by myself i'm not wired that way and i think we should all pause for a moment and and demonstrate gratitude to the people that that do help us um, and encourage us and coach us and teach us. Um, but then I would also say, uh, you know, what are we doing for other people as well? So uh, I talk about servant leadership. Uh, it's a big theme of how I thought about my career and even why I became an executive coach. Um, and I think our ability to help other people and serve other people and give back is an important part as well. So you know, in addition to being an executive coach, which I think maybe best manifests servant leadership because it's helping leaders be better leaders. Um, in addition to that, I do a fair amount of pro bono work, um, uh, which I am afforded the chance to do in my practice. Uh, but I've the last five years, I've also mentored veterans uh, through an organization called American Corporate Partners. And these are veterans who have served our country uh um, uh, tremendously. And after 15 years, 10 years, 20 years, in some cases, they're trying to go back into the private sector. And after a career in the military, they don't know how to do that. So uh, for the last five years, I've been uh, a mentor uh, for uh, several uh, uh, ex-militaries, uh, ex or veterans, I should say, uh, moving into the private sector space. And it's been really rewarding to see the tremendous talent that they bring, the resourcefulness they bring, the grace they bring, the work ethic they bring. And that is my way of giving back the way people gave to me. That is my way of kind of giving back or paying forward in some way um, as best I know how, in addition to what I do as an executive coach. I love how there's this full circle with you know where your your father came from and and how he made that move from the military and and now you're giving back. It all sort of weaves together into this beautiful story and and I love the fact that you're you're now going to be telling your your dad's story as well. Yeah, and and um, you know, uh, I think you're right. Um, you know, my my parents. Uh, are very kind of embedded in my fabric and how I think about things. And uh, I, I always kind of think about, you know, my dad being born in the, the 20s, my mom and dad being born in the late 20s and going through just incredible headwinds um, and how they always thought about, you know, what they taught us and what they embedded in us uh, was about, you know, the quality of your character and, you know, not holding grudges and resentfulness and all of those kinds of things. And uh, I try to carry some of that grace and some of that humility and some of that gratitude 
that I saw them model, I, I try to carry in my life. I'm not always perfect at it, but I do my best to try and carry that forward however and whenever I can. So well, we're, we're grateful that you were able to join us today on our, our first podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's, it's a, a great pr- privilege to, uh, to be here and have an opportunity to, uh, to share some of my thoughts. And uh, I hope in some way, shape or form, people find the content helpful. Uh, and, uh, um, and, you know, I am excited to kind of come back and join you to talk about some of the other things that I might be having uh, in the future. So I look forward to it. Yeah. Thanks thank so you. much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dream Big with Big Dreamers. If you like the show, please do us a favor. Go into iTunes and write a review and give us a rating or share it with a friend via social media or email if you think they'd benefit from these conversations. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Until then, keep dreaming big.